0: This is going to be a different service. Those of you that are visiting with us today, this is not our norm because we have something to celebrate today, something uh, that has been coming for a long time. And what we're doing this morning is we are sending out by commissioning and prayer our brother Pastor Justin and Molly and each of those that are going out with them to start Redeemer Stafford. So we'll talk about this here uh, for a while, but this is a uh, a historic Sunday and. W- it's just crazy. I didn't really grasp this until I looked at the calendar last night, but y'all's first of your ongoing services will be exactly three years to the Sunday from when we first started this church, which is absolutely amazing. Just as a show of hands, who was with us at Nye River on that first Sunday? Wow, awesome. Look at him. It's incredible the amount of growth that the Lord has added uh, since this time. And I, none of us had any of this. Like the, the prayer, the, the verse that you find in Scripture that we, the Lord grants to us beyond what we can ever ask or imagine is a part of what has happened in this place. I could never have asked for this or imagined what the Lord would have done through the work of His Spirit over time. And it's just been incredible. It's been something that has been a cause for rejoicing. I know that where Pastor Justin and Molly were three years ago, this was not what they were planning on doing. And the Lord has changed their plans, as I believe the Lord will change every single one of your plans for your life as you submit yourself to him and see what he will do with your life. But where there were None. We were sent out from Spotswood Baptist Church to a new thing. Now there are two services and three churches. And this is the expanding work of the gospel. One to two, two to four, four to eight. And this is what it means that from 12 people, from 11, as we'll see following after Christ, disciples... They have gone into the whole world, and 2,000 years later, the witness of the risen Lord Jesus continues to go out into the world and to transform hearts and lives because of the expanding work of the Lord in the world. So this morning, our passage will be the Great Commission from Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. We'll continue in Daniel chapter 9 next week. I would ask you to turn with me to the last chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, and we will read the Great Commission. This is the final words of Christ before his ascension into heaven, and it is really important. It's basically the last standing order of our Lord Jesus before he ascended, uh, awaiting for his second coming, and it's what we ought to be about, and it's what we strive to be about in this church before he comes again. I would ask you to please stand to honor the reading of God's word this morning. Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Please be seated. Well, we're gonna go through this, this passage because this is what we are, I gotta keep my watch here. I could talk about this literally all day, and I don't have all day this morning, so I gotta stick within my time. The first thing that Jesus does here as they come up and they are worshiping him, don't, don't miss that. Jesus says they saw him die and he has now risen from the dead and they know that something of heaven is happening right in front of them. And so they worship, but I think it's also important because this is going to mark your heart as it marks mine as well. The end of verse 17, they worshiped, but some doubted. Every single one of us here have struggles in our faith this is what it means to walk by faith some days it's just absolutely on fire and other days we're like God are you real are you really working or is your kingdom really coming and we are not the first to do that with them having the risen Jesus standing in front of them their hearts are still struggling with what is happening before us and yet they worship and as we're going to see they go out into the world to bear witness about Jesus even unto their own deaths But the first thing that Jesus says in this great commissioning is that he returns to his own authority. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. It's very important that this is not, we see this not as a therapeutic statement, not as a suggestion by Jesus or something that will make our lives happier or better if we follow these things. But it is an authoritative command, something that he brings his authority to bear and then tells them to go and do these things because he has the authority to command them to do so. He has the name that is above every name, the name at which all knees, every knee, it says under heaven and earth, will bow before him one day. And he has sent us out to make disciples, to bear witness to his resurrection from the dead from this point until he comes again. And so what he sends these, these men out to do, these disciples, uh, is for them to make disciples of Christ. A disciple is not a word that's used very often. But what I want us to grasp this morning is it's not the same as just going and telling somebody about the gospel, them having a response, and then going on to the next person and for them to have a response. There's something much greater about it. Uh, A disciple is someone that is so passionate about something that their great belief in that thing and passion for it has changed them to such an extent that they naturally go and become an evangelist for that thing. And we've all encountered people in other areas that are just so passionate about either the latest exercise routine they found or the nutrition plan that they found or some political thing or some speaker or whatever it is that they are super passionate about this person or this thing and it has changed them in some way for the good that they're excited about it and they really want to tell you about it whether you want to hear about it or not. They're going to tell you about it because they want to see you come and be involved with this thing that they're following after. And we've all, you know, get skeptical because they're fads. These, these are cyclical fads. These gems come and go and whatever is right for you today and nutrition is going to be terrible for you next week, I can assure you. But uh, political things obviously turn and rotate as well. But let us understand that Christianity is no fad. It has been around for 2,000 years, and it has expanded from Jerusalem to the outer reaches of the world because Jesus has risen from the dead. And the people that are transformed by the gospel work of being forgiven of their sins, being regenerated, given a new heart in Christ, are changed forever, and they will last into eternity. And when you have been forgiven of your sins and been your heart unburdened from its guilt, you cannot help but tell other people about Jesus Christ, because you want them to know who Jesus is, and you want them to come into the fellowship of his church and what he is doing in the world. And this is part of what it means to be a disciple, to go out and to bear witness to the risen Lord Jesus. We here believe that there are four basic steps that, that feed into themselves and keep going as far as making disciples of Jesus Christ. And we strive for this in this church. And so the four basic steps are knowledge, faith, character, and action. Knowledge, faith, character, and action. The first is knowledge. Knowledge is our ground of belief. You cannot place your faith and trust in Jesus if you don't know his name. You can't ask him to forgive your sins if you know nothing about the cross or that you even need forgiveness of sins. It is absolutely imperative that what Dan said earlier, you reading your Bible and understanding who God is, you must understand who Jesus is before you can believe in him. And this is what a missionary, this is what an evangelist, this is what a preacher is about. You're trying to go and tell someone about Jesus. And let me tell you, if you think that because a person lives in America, they have a base level understanding of who Jesus is, you are wrong. I, every day, I, I now start my conversations with people, even in this area, with the assumption that they know nothing about Jesus, or what they know about him is completely inaccurate according to the Bible. And I find that usually that's right. And so it would be wise, I think, for you to assume the same thing. When you begin a conversation with someone about Christ, assume that they have no accurate knowledge about Jesus, and work the conversation out. If they do, then keep going. But we must understand that knowledge is the beginning of the transforming of the renewing of our minds, and we must understand God's word. But next is faith. We go from knowledge to faith. And there is a first time that each person puts their faith and trust in Christ Jesus. This is what it means to be justified before God, to come to a place of salvation. And I've heard enough testimonies from people that some of you know exactly the day, the hour, and the time that you came to salvation. And there are others of you that that process was longer. It took longer for you to be convinced of the things of God. And and you can't exactly name the day that you knew that you had put your faith in Christ Jesus. But if I ask you and say, what is your confession now? Clearly, it's Jesus is Lord. God has changed my heart. And this is what it means to put your faith in Christ Jesus. Christianity is a religion of faith. You must walk by faith. It's not a, a, a thing of scientific proof and accuracy. There is much that can be said about that, much re- many reasonable things that can be said, but at the end of the day, there is always a step of faith, always. And entering into the kingdom of God is by faith. And so there, there is a time that we initially put our faith in what is unseen, but then we continue on in that faith. We begin by faith, and then we walk by faith. I want to stop here. If there is any one of you here that have not put your faith in Christ Jesus for the first time, and you know you haven't, you know you don't believe the things of the Bible, you don't trust in Christ as your Savior, you have not asked him to forgive your sins, that today might be the day that you trust in Christ as your Savior, and that as you see the work of God around you, that you enter into that, and you believe that what is unseen is in fact real. But when we learn about God through knowledge, through his word, and then we believe in these things by faith, it leads to the next step, which is character, which is the change of our person. This is There's many different names for this in the scripture. The, the regeneration of the heart is one of these things. And, but we are an authentically different person. And that is something that we have prayed from the very beginning would be true of this church, that this church would not be a place of plastic smiles and fake greetings and things like this, but it would be a place of authentic change, and that people coming into this place would be able to see an authentic work of the Lord in our hearts, that we are not the same people that we were before. And so when you learn about God, Believe in Christ Jesus and your heart is changed. Your character is not what it was before. Then it changes your actions, which means we become doers of God's word. Knowledge, faith, character, action. You can't learn of Jesus, believe in Jesus, have an authentic change of heart and not have it change your actions. It will change your actions. You will begin to speak differently, act differently towards your spouse, towards your children, towards your co-workers. Everything that you do in your life will progressively begin to change. But the beautiful thing about making disciples and discipleship is that this is not one turn around the circle. What happens is it feeds back into itself. Because when you make this first turn of coming to salvation, believing these things, seeing a change in your character, and then a change in your actions, it drives you back to the scriptures. And you say, I wanna know more about Jesus. I, I, I have to know who this Jesus is. Just like back in the day, they followed him all over the place because they wanted to hear one more word that Jesus had to say. We do the same. We go back to the scriptures, and we learn more about the Lord. And as we learn more about him, our faith increases, and we believe more about him. And that changes our character even more. And as it changes our character more, our actions change even more. And it's an ascending cycle that takes us higher and higher and higher and more and more to become like Christ Jesus before after years of going around this cycle you begin to look back at your old life and you're like I'm, I'm, I'm a totally different person like I'm doing things now that I would never have considered doing back then things are incredibly valuable to me now that had no value to me back then and things that I valued back then are of no value to me now I'm a different person And this is what it means to be made new in Christ Jesus through his sanctifying work. And this is what we are striving. We believe that the local church should be an engine for this, that we should be pressing you. We as the elder leadership, myself as as a teacher and a preacher, pressing you towards discipleship in Christ, seeking God's word, believing God's word, being transformed by God's word to be a different person. And all of this being accomplished by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is not a self-betterment routine. This is the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives changing us from the inside out. We cannot do this on our own. Uh, Dan read this morning the abiding in Christ passage. We must abide in Christ. The things that come to us by God's Spirit are the things that change us. So discipleship. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. So the going part is the next major thing. It's something that can't stay here. It's not enough for us to to close the doors, drop the shades and and circle the wagons. If you read from the newsletter this past week I talked about that. The idea of cloistering yourself away or withdrawing from culture to a closed community, that is the opposite of the great commission. We cannot close the doors, we keep the doors open, and we long to see the lost world come into the church, but we also go out to them with a distinct missionary calling, with a passion to go out to the world because we love them and want to see them come to know Christ as their savior. And so the work of the church is an ever-expanding work. If it is not expanding, then we are somehow disconnected from the work of the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is expanding his work in the world, and we desire to be a part of that, to join in the Lord where he is working. So we're commanded to go, but as we go and evangelize or tell others about Christ and help them put their faith in Christ and they believe in Christ and individuals come into the kingdom of God one at a time, it does not remain an individual affair for very long at all, and that's what we have here this morning. It's not just about Jesus and me and some information. It's about you coming to Christ and then joining in with the body of Christ. The church, the local church, and the church universal is called the body of Christ. It's the working of the Lord in the world. If you part of what our, the purpose of our, our new member class is when people come into membership in the church is for them to begin to understand these things. And uh, if you have interest in that, September the 9th will be our next class. We, we spend a lot of time talking about the universal and the local church. Universal church, very briefly, is all Christians in the world. All people that put their faith in Christ Jesus are a part of the Christian church. There's one church, one Savior, one God, and when we all uh, are together with the Lord in heaven, there will not be divisions of race and nations and places. There will be one church intermixed, standing before the throne of our Lord Jesus, worshiping him. But now, where we live, there's always from the book of Acts a a calling for and a desire and an accomplishing of groupings of Christians in local places, because it practically makes sense. We can't drive Forever away. We can only come so far to be where we are here this morning, and we gather together in local church settings. So, as Paul and Silas and Peter and those went out to be missionaries, they did not just see people come to Christ individually in evangelism, they grouped them together in local churches, organized them with elders and with deacons so they might be able to function as a local church. And there's gifting a gifting of the Holy Spirit in the local church setting. 2 Corinthians 12, 7 says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And what we learn as we look at giftings of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament is that the Lord gives each of us different giftings. But by his providence and his goodness, those giftings complement each other to create one wonderful whole. And we have seen this in the most astonishing ways in this church in only the three years. We started with a skeleton crew of barely enough people to cover the bases of the things that needed to be covered. And then we kept asking God, Lord, we need somebody that has this ability. We need somebody that has this ability. We need somebody that can do this or cover that. And then the next week, the person walks through the door or like, oh, we didn't realize this person sitting right here has that ability. And I can tell you that in the years that we have been doing this, there has not been a single lack. Everything that we have needed, the Lord has supplied by bringing the right person through the door at the right time so that his local church, by the work of the Spirit, might have everything that is needed for the common good. Not for my good or for individually for your good, but that together we might all receive a blessing from the Lord from each other being involved in the local church. This past month, we pressed for various service needs. That's one of those um, flyers is still on the back table there. But the bottom line is that if you have a gift that you know that you should be using in the church, and for whatever reason you're not using it, it creates a weakness in the church. And it creates something that it ends up not being a blessing for you because you're not using the gift that God has given you in the church for the common good. And so as we all come together, it creates something of great blessing. Well, the third thing that is of great importance here. Go therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus commands his disciples to go out preaching, teaching, evangelizing, spreading the gospel to the ends of the earth, but in the midst of this, to be baptizing them. Baptism is not something, of, not something that the church created It's not something that is optional, it's not something that is therapeutic, it is something that's commanded by the Lord Jesus. And what is baptism? We see it all throughout the book of Acts, that after people come to salvation in Christ Jesus, they are baptized, and most of these occasions are public occasions where they are associating themselves with Jesus Christ, going from an old life in an old way to a new life in a new way. And there is great symbolism uh, outlined for us in both Corinthians and Romans about the being immersed in water and brought back out is a symbolic joining with the Lord Jesus in his death and in his resurrection, buried with him in baptism and raised to walk in newness of life. And there's such joy for people when they are baptized as believers for a reason. And some people are like, why is, why is this person so happy? You know, like They're just kind of going under the water, coming back out. For a person that's not a Christian, they don't get it at all. But let me tell you, the ground of it is that there's always great joy when we obey the Lord Jesus. I'm not talking about legalistic things that are put down for us in some categories. I'm talking about obedience from the Scripture. When God commands us to do something and we know it, And then we go and do it, there is joy in obeying the Lord Jesus. And so that's the first ground of why there's joy in baptism. Because when we've put our faith in Christ and we submit to his authority and associate ourselves openly with Christ Jesus in obedience, there is great joy. And so I encourage you this morning. If you have come to salvation, but you know you've never been baptized for whatever reason, maybe the timing's just off or excuses here and there, or more likely, it terrifies you, and you're like, I don't know, I, can't, I don't want to do this. This is a lot of people, and that's, I'm, I don't want to do that, especially if it's seen on TV or something like that. Like, I just, I don't, I'm not sure I want to associate myself with Jesus that much. Well, that's the whole point, folks, is that you associate yourself with Jesus openly and publicly, and I encourage you to obey the command of Christ and be baptized. If you would like to be and you have not been, see me, see one of the elders of the church, go to the welcome desk and tell someone I I need to be baptized and we'll talk to you and get you included in the next time that we baptize. Well, an essential part of the missionary calling is the organization of local churches, as I've mentioned. But this gets us down to where we are. There is the organizing of local churches through missionary activity to unreached people groups, which is absolutely vital. It's our prayer that this church will also have the opportunity to send out missionaries to foreign places that do not know and there are very few people, if any, that have trusted in Christ as their savior and that they will be instrumental in seeing people come to salvation and local churches being formed there. That is important. Perhaps that missionary calling is rolling around in your heart and it's, it's bubbling up and may the Lord God uh, call you to that and help you understand and find your place in that calling as time goes forward and that you'll be used of the Lord to establish local churches in foreign lands. But there is also the need to establish local churches in rising population density areas. We believe very much here in the role of pastoral care. Uh, A church that has so many people that the pastoral leadership doesn't even begin to know the names of the people. There's a breakdown in pastoral care. And I want to know your name. We're already at the point where I'm, I, I can't remember everybody's name. I'm trying, folks. I really am. And the elders of this church are trying. And we're striving to keep up with your lives and be a part of your lives. And so a part of taking larger churches and breaking them into smaller churches is the purpose of pastoral care and love so that we can have meaningful fellowship together with each other. And our area and Stafford are just exploding. They're literally building apartments, townhouses, and houses as fast as they can build them as people continue to pour into this area, which means an absolute need for more local churches. And so before I call Pastor Justin up here, I would ask you, it's been a while since I've done this, a long while actually, to call upon the church and say, do you feel a calling to ministry, to be a pastor, because as we send out Pastor Justin and the the crew that's going to lead there, we will begin to turn our eye towards the next opportunity to plant another church. But the key thing there is having a called leader, a leader that is gifted of the Lord in ministry, called to pastor in a local setting, and then is trained up and sent out by the church as we're doing right now. And so I ask you, there was a time when I was a young man and someone did this and I said, yeah, maybe this is what God's calling me to and I need to be involved. I need to prepare myself and seek the blessing of the church. And it took a long time, took many, many years before uh, the Lord was ready to send me out. But I knew it from a long time ago. And so if that's something that you feel a calling in your heart, I want you to talk to me about it because it's important that it be cultivated and that you not squash that. So let's, uh, Justin. I'm going to turn it over to you, brother. Come on up here. Um, I've known Justin for a while, a long while, and I love this brother. I'm so thankful for him. We've talked about a progression, transition, progression in my life, your life, his life, and so I'll, he's just going to talk to you about what's going on there and uh, how you can pray for him. And then I'll come back up, and I'm going to we're going to pray over him and uh, whoever else. So,
1: you okay, let me just watch so I can keep this short. Here we go. If I haven't met you, my name is Justin. There's just a lot of new faces I've never met. um, And this is bittersweet for me, for those who have known me and Molly and our family for the last three years. It's been an eventful three years for us. Um, We said goodbye to some friends last night. We have friends who are moving to China for two years with the State Department. Some close, dear family friends, I just love them. And when I hugged them, I said goodbye. I just broke down like I, I didn't anticipate. And I feel a little bit that way this morning. So bear with me. Um, I tend to be emotional up here for whatever reason, but it's because I love you. And I can say that with like confidence and authenticity. Like, I love this church, and not just the organization, but the people, the individuals, and the family, because you model Christ to me and Molly in so many different ways. And this is bittersweet. Uh, three years ago, we were here August 21st, or at Nye River Middle School. We were going to a great church, and it was a church where we were being fed, uh, and it was really good, but it was not the local body, the expression of a family that God intended, because we drove all the way up to D.C., and it just wasn't close enough to do life with the people there. And so when Pastor Vic invited us to come on faith, we're like, gosh, a church plant, really? Like a church plant? That sounds like a lot of work. The place we were going had programs and ministries and pastors and mission trips, and and we had a skeleton crew. Uh, But thankfully, by God's providence, that's what we did, with no idea what God would do. Um, And in the last three years, It's been life transforming in ways I could never have asked or imagined. I'm still trying to wrap my mind around them. Four of my children made a profession of faith here and were baptized. We walked through some difficult stuff in my family and Pastor Vic and the elders and y'all walked with us in meaningful ways like we did life together. So many of you (laughs) brought me a big table when we adopted some kids. I can still remember you driving down the road bringing a giant table to my house so we could all fit. I've seen marriages restored, families redeemed. I've seen children adopted and rescued from a hopeless life in the families where there's love and the gospel. It's been powerful and transforming. So for that reason, it's bitter this morning. It's bitter for me to say goodbye because it is a formal goodbye and the reality is we're 45 minutes away. We don't have a youth group. I'll be here on Wednesday evenings, most Wednesdays with my kids, but it's, it's a formal goodbye and it's, it's hard for me because I, I love this life with you all. If you haven't experienced authentic church, It exists here. I've been a part of it in a way I never participated before. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for you and for everybody here who's example Christ to me and my wife in ways that just make me want to chase after Jesus even more. But it's also sweet. The gospel is the best news of all time for all people in all the world. And God has given me and the families in Stafford an opportunity to make the gospel known with a platform and a voice I didn't anticipate. My call is different than Pastor Vic's call. I'm 44 years old. I was a Marine for 20 years. I work in law enforcement as a high school teacher. Not in my wildest dreams that I think I'd be leading a a church plant with 12 kids and a wife after five years in Stafford. It's mind-boggling. I'm still trying to wrap my mind around that. So if you're sitting there, you're like, I am not called to be a leader in the church. Just go where God leads you. That's what I'm telling you. Like, use his gifts, his abilities. I was very reluctant. But just say little yeses along the way. And I've seen that in this church in different ways. Little yeses. And watch what God does in your life as you surrender what you want to what he wants. Because what he wants is always best. Always. I can say that with confidence. This is sweet because I can see God's hand at work. Have you ever wondered, and I know the answer is yes, what is God's will for my life? Kids, adults, grandparents, you get reach a stage and you're like, well, God, what is, my, what is your will for my life? And sometimes I'm like, that's what I really want to do. I'm going to say a quick prayer. I'm going to go that direction. Well, in the case of this church, I can see God's fingerprints all over it in ways that I didn't manufacture because I didn't want it. I'll be honest, it's super intimidating to me to do what we're about to do. But then God moved people into my life. Brandon and Brooke White, if you haven't met them, they're amazing people. He brought Brandon to a Bible study. I invited him over on Valentine's Day. I didn't know it was Valentine's Day. He brought wives to my, flowers to my wife, and then we established a friendship. He moved the town. Brandon was a former pastor, works with me. We developed a friendship. Luke and um, Nicole Yuhas moved across the street from me. I said, Luke, I meant the Jenner, I'm sorry. <laughs> Jenner and Nicole. If you haven't met them, he moved right across the street from me. He loves Jesus. He's in Simmer and he wants to plant a church. That's crazy. And then Luke and Kimberly McIntyre. Incredible family. Loves Jesus. He was a former worship pastor and minister for years. Like God just bringing people together. And then most remarkably, perhaps, is my wife, Molly. I mean, not perhaps. She is the most remarkable thing in my life. <laughs> <laughs> She'll be here second service. She's out at the park with the other kids. Like... What woman in her right mind, <laughs> we, we moved to Stafford Let me back up. We used to do a, tw- a five-year plan. Do you do that, any of y'all? You have a five-year plan? We've, we've been married 20 years this year, and we used to do a five-year plan. Like, we moved to Stafford five years ago. We're not going to do any more five-year plans because it doesn't make any sense. So we showed <laughs> up at Stafford with four children in our home. We have 12 right now. We showed up with no intent to stay for a long time. We, we, our roots are pretty deep. And so you know, what woman? In her right mind, with all that I have a full time job, we became four kids, biological kids. God's brought eight more into our family right now. Tells me when I'm being stubborn, you, you need to plan a church. You, you need to go and just lead the church and stop being stubborn and reluctant and burying your head in the sand and asking somebody else to do it. You need to lead. Like, that's crazy because it's going to cost her as much or more than it's going to cost anybody else because it's a lot. And so to see God move in ways that just don't make sense, what is God's will for your life? Just little yeses along the way. I have no idea how this church plant's going to go. I'll just be honest. We don't have the ability to do it. We're a skeleton crew minus, but that's the beauty. We absolutely have to trust in God for his power and his grace to make something happen. I can't manufacture it. You can, I don't have the intelligence, the wit, the charisma, the smarts to make this thing happen. None of us do. We need God's grace, his spirit to move in the same way it's moved here. And so that, that's one of my requests this morning from y'all. Don't forget us, but pray for us. Just, just pray for us that our hearts would be firmly fixed on the gospel and on God's power to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. No more and no less. We're not trying to compare ourselves or model ourselves after other churches, even this church. Like this church is beautiful, but we won't be this church. We'll be a local expression of the body and staff. We'll be in cooperation. We hold the same essentials. But you get a guy with qualifier who likes to wrestle. I don't have a PhD, but I can do some pull-ups.
0: All right?
1: <laughs> Our desire is to make much of Jesus Christ, to go and do what He's called us to go and do. And I am so thankful to this church. It's I'm learning church culture and mechanics and dynamics like I never imagined I would. I was in seminary last week in Dallas all week at a residency with other church planners and pastors and all kinds of. Fascinating information that I learned, but I've never experienced a been a part of something like this. What you don't know is Pastor Vic and I meet once a week to talk. There's nobody more encouraging in my life apart from Molly than Pastor Vic and the way that he's poured into us in sacrificial ways. It's countercultural and counterintuitive for a church plant three years to the day to say, whatever you need, money, resources, people, whatever I can do to support you and we can do to support you, you got it. And he means it means it because his goal is bigger than redeemer bible church's spots his goal is the kingdom of god on earth until jesus comes back or with home with him someday and so please like hold tightly to that my prayer for you is this church is busting at the seams and that's god's blessing but it also comes with challenges please don't ever let your first love be lost. Your first love, Jesus Christ and the gospel. And the people here, you're going to get a beautiful building someday. You have great programs. Your youth program's incredible. But don't let that become center focus. Good things can become the worst things if you forget what's best. And Jesus Christ has to be that. So don't side of that. That's my prayer for you. Please pray that for me. And that we wouldn't get discouraged. This comes with challenges I didn't expect. That our families wouldn't be collateral damage. Please pray for our wives and our kids. Like... In Ephesians chapter 2, and I'll finish here, Paul describes the church as the household of God, the house of God. And in Psalm 127, the psalmist writes, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. We can do a lot of good things and have great strategies and awesome sermons and nice t-shirts, but if we forget who's ultimately responsible for the success of this church, then we missed it. In our lives and our families and in the church so please 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 just pray that we would allow the lord to build what he's going to build how he's going to build it and we would just hold this little church plant or whatever it becomes with open hands and open hearts your example and encouragement to me has just been instrumental i can't overstate that and i hope to be back and chat with you all but just publicly and on facebook i just want to say that for the record like your example and encouragement to me and my family on behalf of the other elders and their families instrumental, life-changing, and I'm forever grateful for that. I also just want to highlight, in addition to Pastor Vic, Sherry Morgan, I don't know if she's, she's probably in the back, I don't know where she's at. But so, there you are. There's so many people I want to thank that have been instrumental, but I think about the lifeblood of the church and what God does through individual people. I think of two people, and that's Pastor Vic and you, Sherry. So I just want to publicly acknowledge your work tireless selfless all the time work on behalf of the kids who desperately need to hear the gospel so thank you so much yeah. uh, i'll just wrap up here let me pray for you all if you don't mind and i don't typically do this but i'm just going to read the prayer out of ephesians and i'd ask you to, to bow your heads and close your eyes And i'm just going to pray this over you and I would ask you, as you have time and your busy schedules, that you'd make it a routine to pray over us and Redeemer Stafford. And it comes from Ephesians uh, chapter 1, beginning in verse 16. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you, Redeemer Bible Church, the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you,